Gaming History 101. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me today, not my homie from across the pond, Jam. He'll be back, and we will do that piracy episode very soon after Trees and I do our next GHX. But today we got a special guest, which is, um, oh, I didn't even think about how to call you. I'll either call you Gren or Matt. Do you mind if I call you Matt? I don't. Yeah, that's perfectly fine for me. Well, welcome, Matt. Uh, you well, thank you. Now uh, you get to play host to me tonight. Absolutely. Well, so this was, um, you've already done an episode with us, but that episode I haven't aired yet. <laughs> so this <laughs> may be people's games. first yeah. first encounter. Nice. Yeah. So, um, and so, yeah. So when you hear this, if you, you know, those of you who are out there, we appreciate you all, the avid listeners who listen to everything that we push live on the feed. Uh, when the co-op episode comes out, it, I think I'm going to call it cooperative. But anyway, when that episode one comes out and you hear four of us talking about playing a specific co-op game, Gren will probably refer to himself or Matt will refer to himself as, uh, or will mention that it's his first podcast. And that was technically true when we recorded it, but it won't be anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, the continuity's off, man. I can't I know, stand it. I know. Put them in the chamber and then you fuck it all up. But anyway, um, so we'll welcome Matt. Um well, thank you. Thanks for having me for an official podcast, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're all official, but yeah, for the, true. the big show. Um, the big show, right. Right. Now all, all, all eyes on me. <laughs> so uh, is there any intros you want to give, any way you want to introduce yourself? You don't have to like do anything if you don't want to, but is there anything you want everyone to know about you before we get started? Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, so I go by... My real name's Matt, um, but Gren or Agent Gren is my uh, my name on mostly everything. So either one works. I'm just gotten so used to being called Gren actually by friends and such. <laughs> so yeah, when I was uh, visiting you, you live in Wisconsin. We'll we'll yes. give your location that specific, uh, an entire state. Um, but uh, when I was there, yeah, I was I was surprised because yeah, several people referred to you as Gren. Um, well, two that I knew, but uh, yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, it was it was unique. It was uh, I didn't bother me, but it was just uh, unique to hear. So right, it's always interesting too when you meet like significant others for the first time, and they're like, "Wait, Gren? I thought your name was Matt." I'm like, I, oh, "Oh wait, forgot about that part." <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, no, no. Yeah, and I, um, uh, I'm just known as that asshole. So like, it's pretty easy for me. But uh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, we're here because I came up to Milwaukee to go to the Midwest Gaming Classic and you and I, full disclosure, not that there's any like, uh, what's the the word? Conflict of interest. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, just so people know, uh, we were friends first. So uh, so I knew you. Um, but yeah, I was, I was coming up to uh, deal with that uh, to the Midwest Gaming Classic and you were like, yeah, I'm going to go too. And hey, look, I live in Wisconsin. Let's do this. And I was like, sweet. And that's kind of how things happened. So, yeah, it was a good opportunity. I got to hang out in my uh, stomping grounds. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it was it was it was a great visit. I have to say, uh, we were both just like constantly going. Oh, I hope it was a good weekend. And da-da. but it was it was a great visit. Had a lot of fun outside of the show and also inside of the show. So uh, so I thank you for your hospitality. No problem. I wish the weather was a little more accommodating, but we may do. Well, yeah, let's 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 uh, address that. So <laughs> if you weren't there, you probably didn't think much of it. But uh, right when I got there, um, it was you were. Your state was dumped on to the tune of roughly, I think it was like five, six inches the morning of Sunday, right? Like had fallen when we got downtown. It was like a good winter day of snow, six inches easy. Yeah. And it didn't let up till like that afternoon, I think. Like I took my SUV only to, I brought you some gifts. Anytime I go visit somebody, I bring gifts. So I brought you a, uh, a 36 inch RCA that I've had since I was 20. Um, so that's now in your, in your possession. Um, and a couple Staring of other at me right now. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's intimidating, but, uh, it is, but I brought my SUV and I thought it was just to move a TV. Turns out very useful because you do not have a uh, SUV. Uh, very I've got that low rider. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which we probably could have gotten pretty badly stuck downtown. Um, almost fact, guaranteed. Yeah, my SUV got stuck, but like stuck in an SUV with four wheel drive just means you've got to cut the wheel a little bit and then you're back. So, but anyway, yeah. So uh, it all worked out. We didn't die. We had fun. That's good. Oh yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh, I don't know about the uh, unfortunate uh, situation that was caused with some panels as a result, but uh, that's neither here nor mm-hmm. there. We didn't have all to right. worry about it. But, but yeah. So. Um, so yeah, uh, but uh, so this was your first Midwest Gaming Classic. This was my first, yes. Um, I've only ever been to really one gaming-related convention, that's Gen Con, so I can do some comparisons uh, later too if we want. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. I have not been, believe it or not, for all the touting <laughs> I do about loving magic, we always talked about going to Gen Con the same way you talk about going to E3, <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, I never went. So unfortunately, it's like that forbidden fruit. Yeah. The moment you taste it, it's no longer delicious. <laughs> yeah, that's nowadays about I right for Gen Con. Though. Gen Con's more dangerous now. So it is. I got to tell you that. Although it also is more crowded, so you might get fed up with it quicker. I mean, actually, that kind of ties into what uh, we experienced this weekend. Good point. Uh, good point. So, um. Well, I mean, just jumping right into it. So, yeah, how did it match up to your expectations? Okay, so um, the only expectations I really had was your previous experience. Um, I remember when you were kind of talking to me about, I think I was still living in Kansas City when you were talking about the panels you were putting together for two years ago. Yeah, I had done some panels and uh, um, I want to, yeah, I can't remember. I think it was at uh, MGC 2015. One other thing I, I just thought about that we should probably interject is, uh, this year it's at the Milwaukee, uh, convention center in downtown Milwaukee, where Wisconsin convention center. Oh, we, sorry, we fucked that we up. That <laughs> <laughs> the Wisconsin convention center. Yeah, um, so, uh, Fred and I actually went to the Milwaukee convention center where we were greeted by a lovely coffee brewing lady who informed us that we're at least four blocks away from the supposed center which wouldn't have been any problem on the average april morning but uh given the weather it was uh it was a bad state of affairs so that day was just really cold sting and rain oh god that was awful yeah 
Um, so yes, we were at the Wisconsin Convention Center, which is which was my first time there actually for living in the area, and it was it was a nice convention center. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and so uh, previously, it was at a Sheridan that I think is over by the airport, um, and it kind of took over the whole Sheridan. And then before that, it was in like a smaller hotel in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, which is uh, I think it's just south of Milwaukee, but. Uh, yeah, all those names start to blend together. Uh, we got a Paywaki, uh, Okanamawaka, Minakani. <laughs> yeah, and I could tell because you talked to some vendors who've been coming since the beginning and they didn't remember what the town was called. Um, <laughs> they just knew what exit it was. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. So uh, they spread out and it definitely showed because it didn't look as crowded, but there were a lot more people there this time. Um in comparison, like imagine packing everybody who is there, including guests and everything, and all of those things we saw, which we'll discuss. Imagine packing those all into like a airport Sheridan. Right. Actually, from what you told me with certain things basically being in a hotel room, uh, that would be insane. And I guess that's what I was expecting because your previous yeah. description made it sound like, okay, this is just kind of a thing that some old guys go to and, you know, look at arcade cabinets and, and have some fun and drink some beers. Um, yeah. But this was like a full-blown convention. I was impressed. Yeah, it's definitely grown. Um, Dan Lucen from the Goat Store, goatstore.com. No, they're not affiliated with us in any way, nor do they have any promotion. Uh, he, and that's out in like Oregon, I think. He puts this on, and I kind of told you that like his whole goal was why fight the Portland Retro Gaming Expo when I can put on my own in the middle of the Midwest and nobody's got a Midwest you know, show. So... Um, but it's a, it, yeah, it's a really good show. Uh, but, uh, for example, the panels were done in actual panel rooms, which for one we'll talk about later might've been <laughs> too much room. Uh, but like for the record, when I had uh, trick man, Terry and, um, uh, sushi X, which was Ken Williams. Uh, and that is in our feed. If you want to go check it or go to the podcast archive, um, uh, it's, it's a pretty good recording of the panel. We're in a we're in a restaurant, you know, and if you've listened to the MGC, the Midwest Gaming Classic 2016 Retronauts did their first episode and they had to record the same way because there was no good recording equipment through the mixer. So you just had to put a recorder in the middle of the table you're sitting at. And actually mine was a little more interactive. I was actually standing the whole time and I would walk amongst the crowd kind of like uh, Maury. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But it was hilarious because there would be people brunching you know, uh, you know, they basically roped off half the restaurant and just turned it into a bunch of seats where you would do your talks. But there were people staying at the Sheridan that like didn't know this was going on. And so on Sunday morning or Saturday morning when you do your talk, I think mine was Saturday at noon, people just brunching there, you know, <laughs> you know, they have no just idea hanging out. what this is. Yeah. Getting so, a little intro to the rest of the world. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, uh, but but yeah, when I did the panel, I sold out the uh, the cafeteria. So so baller. But uh, again, nice. a lot of people I think were drawn to Trickman Terry and Sushi X talking about EGM in the '90s rather than uh, Gaming History 101. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> you do what you do. You know, hey, I got get what you can get. I, I'm the reason they were they were doing that panel. They were both there for other reasons, but they they did that panel for me, and so that was very nice of them. So yeah. So, but, yeah. Um, and, you know, that's something, too, you can kind of talk about because we talked about it a couple of times. The show is due to the nature of the, the event now, the size. I mean, do you think you could get 
a a panel at this point? Yeah, I could. Um, if okay. I if I asked to do it, uh, I I feel confident they would they would let me do it. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, they don't. To my knowledge, they don't special guest anyone out. So you know, we'll just throw it out that that he was there. Billy Mitchell was there. Walter Day was there. I put up the photo album, um, and uh, and I need to add yours and I need to send you that photo because if you want to see what <sighs> Matt looks like. Oh, that's right. Photo album that's up there right now. He's the uh, he's he's the guy who's uh, in between Walter Day. Uh, it's Walter Day, me, Matt, and then Billy Mitchell. Yeah, um, I know. Jeez, Fred, you're just like I usually just high in the crepes of the internet, and you're pulling me out, I kicking know, and screaming. Pulling you out so people can put a Sit, face on you. Uh, sitting there, no longer stalking the Discord. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, eventually I'm going to get everybody. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so when, when we went there, um, you know, like Billy Mitchell, I think opted to be there now, granted, uh, he did his big old, you know, retort to the Donkey Kong scores and there was a retro gaming magazine there that he's on the, the board of directors or whatever, uh, or the, the support, the, the, the support council for, so he was there to promote. Um, but like everybody who was there up to, and including, I believe Retronauts, um, you know, they're welcome to join and they love to do it because it allows these people who traditionally are only seen on the East or West coast to be seen in the Midwest where I would bet a large portion of their audiences are. Um, but, uh, that being said, um, I don't think anyone's, you know, begged to come out but they are definitely welcomed um it's possible like when i went there were little perks but like you don't even get free tickets to the show that's probably changed now that it's a full-blown convention but at the time that wasn't the case um they hey, were just you get like, that snazzy yellow lanyard man i got the yellow lanyard also um nice. but they did ask me to buy tickets to the show but you do get an all-access pass so you can go back to the you can go into all the the private parties and stuff like that. We didn't do any of the parties just so people know Friday night. There's an early grab at the vendor stations. It's from six to midnight. And then you get to basically meet all the special guests. They do like a, a cocktail party meet and greet. And I was part of the special guests that year. So of course I went to that. And what really happens is you get drunk with a bunch of your peers that are also doing this kind of entertainment retro stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Um, of note, Ben Heck and I uh, kicked back quite a few that night. So, um, Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, hopefully I got enough drinks in you to equate. Oh, yeah. Those. We had some fun. <laughs> good. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, because that'd be something, I mean, if you if you could, I, I think it'd be great to get a panel in a, a room like that, especially considering what we saw. I think you could get a better turnout than four people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I, I believe that that turned out, and I feel so bad. I looked everywhere for this guy, and I forgot who he was, and I didn't bring my map home with me, and the only way you can learn the panels is once you actually get there. This is the way the MGC has always done it. They'll tell you that, like, Retronauts is going to be there, but you got to get there to find out when Retronauts is going and what room and all that stuff. Yeah, it was tricky. Yeah, and so... All I can tell you is he was a great guy. I want to get his name. I will find his name and get it back. I, I emailed Dan, but he hasn't responded to me. Um, You're talking about the guy we saw? No. Uh, yeah, the guy we saw. Do you know his uh, name? Yeah, Eric Weil or Wiley. Thank you. Thank you. Eric Wiley, I apologize. Not that you'll probably <laughs> ever hear this, but if you do, I apologize um, for not remembering your name. But, uh, but yeah, he only had four people and he was there to discuss MMOs and he had worked on right EverQuest and, um, galaxies, Star Wars, galaxies? yeah, Star Wars galaxies, which was, uh, 
kind of what piqued my interest, but yeah, EverQuests and uh, Galaxies. And of course, we barely talked about MMOs at all, but no. but it ended up being a great discussion, even though there were four people. And I got to tell you, Guy was a an amazing sport considering that, right? That's that's a yeah, rough he, break. I've yeah, he been took met. it. Yeah. So. so and then we had a great conversation with him afterwards. And see, that's the opportunity you are afforded at the MGC because, like Matt said, it's a large crowd, but it's nowhere near like a PAX or even a Portland Retro Gaming Expo or, um, you know, uh, oh, what's the California one? Oh, shoot. Yeah, I do realize I, I went to the PlayStation Experience once, so I guess that counts. Oh, there you go. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. That's, a, that's a perfect example. But you know what I mean? Like, everyone's more accessible. If you right. wanted to meet your podcast host, at like, if you want to meet Jeremy Parrish, remember when we first walked in, I think it was on a Saturday after lunch, we walked in and the, the little cadre of Jeremy Parrish fans were all hanging out. And it was funny because he looked just like all of them. Like, <laughs> they are all kind of like, you know, I don't know what to call it, like, kind of hipster-esque urban looking um, individuals. And by urban, I don't mean the Republican definition of urban. I mean truly like people who live in cities. Um, You know, he fit right in among them and he, everybody had smiles on their face. He was giving everyone attention. They did a big group photo. It was really cool. Like, Right, and that's the one thing. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Well, he was hard. Jeremy Parrish was hard to find at the show, and I didn't even see Bob Mackey. So they might have just done the panel and gotten out, especially with the snow that was scheduled for the next day. Um, You know, they're they're kind of this is kind of their job. Like it's an actual job now, so they're not like covering events. They are part of the event. Um, But I feel confident that if you absolutely wanted to meet the Retronauts, you wanted to say hi to Bob, you wanted to say hi to Jeremy, if you had gone to their panel in the middle of Saturday and followed them out, and I don't mean in the creepy way, in the (laughs) whole, like, meet us at the end of the panel, followed them out like we did with Chris, like, (laughs) you have that opportunity, right? And I would say much easier than you would anywhere else the Retronauts go. Right. And, and that's sort of the thing that I really enjoy about these smaller conventions and particularly this one is um, I think there's enough going on that most of the people go there. They're, they're enjoying. There's an ample amount of arcade systems or just systems set up for people to play. Um, yeah, we'll but talk you about can. what was there in a second. Right. But the fact that I mean, the fact that we literally just kind of happenstance walked in and met Billy Mitchell and uh, and then uh, oh, and Walter and, Day. Yeah. Yeah, Walter Day, uh, bad with names. But the fact that they just took a picture with us and barely even prompting was amazing. Like, yeah, someone like that would be like, oh, 10 bucks or, you know, make a big ordeal out of it. But that was that was pretty awesome. And, um, you know, the uh, Eric Wiley uh, talking to him afterwards, stuff like that. I really enjoy that about these conventions. You know, um, you can spend a day, you know, all day playing games, but I do that at home. So mm-hmm. when I'm here, these are kind of what makes it worthwhile to see these other sides of the story. Yeah, the interactions were really cool. Like, that's what I always enjoy. And, um, and yeah, like, to be clear, uh, actually, Matt, I heard that later in the, uh, later in the day on Saturday, and especially on Sunday, um, no, I think it was Saturday afternoon, apparently there was quite the line, uh, to, to take pictures with Billy and Walter. Uh, oh. So we just happened to go in there. They were the first people we bumped into. Like right It was when, so random. Yeah, right when Grant and I walked in. We got there a little late. The show opens at 10. Uh, we bought the weekend pass, so you could have gotten in at 9. We got there at 11. 
Matt and I had no agenda. Uh, right. <laughs> so we just walked into the museum first, and, and in a minute we'll break down what was, because there's four major areas of this show, uh, but the, the museum's one of them. And we just started there because I thought it would be a good place, especially, and I, I want to hear your opinions on, on what you thought of all the crazy-ass shit out there, because you could, you could tell I knew all of them, and I was just like a kid in a candy store. It was It was insane. Yeah, but but we bumped into them right away, and it was just like, yo, I want a photo. And it was funny because I don't even know if you wanted a photo or anything. You just happened to be there. and Oh, I was he was quite like, insistent that I get in on that photo too. Oh, yeah. Billy, <laughs> Billy Mitchell was not going to let uh, Matt take the photo, um, which was great. And I didn't know what you wanted to do, but I love that he was just like, no, 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 no. This is, <laughs> this He's is your friend. He's in this photo. photo. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it's, what he said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, no, it was great because I, I know him through her, you know, the the weird retro celebrities, like he's the one that stands out. So um, I took it, you know, as an opportunity. I'll, I'll jump on that. Well, and I, I do want to take this moment to say, because a lot of people have been talking about it, especially since, you know, his scores are wiped. I'm not going to speak to that. Not because I have. And, and to be clear, like Matt was there. I, Billy and I, Billy even said, have I met you before? Uh, and <laughs> right. I don't think he meant that in like. Oh, you've got a familiar face. He was like, yeah. just let me know. Is this your first time meeting me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he seems uh, very guarded. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and again, I will tell you, like, Billy Mitchell is an individual that I think is worth mentioning because whether – love him or hate him, and most people hate him, which is an unfortunate side effect of the King of Kong in my opinion um, – he is one of the most known people, especially by name. We were talking about it in the Discord chat, uh, in the video game world, especially as you go into history. And um, I think he gets a bad rep. And of course, right now he's getting a really bad rep. Um, but I feel like to a certain extent, the punishment doesn't match the crime. For example, they've Guinness Book and Twin Galaxies have stripped his perfect game of Pac-Man. He got that legit on a cabinet while everyone watched. I don't understand why that's stripped. Um, and maybe it's a penalty thing, but I think this like speaks more to, and I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but I think it speaks more to this generation of like, you know, right? Like Kevin Spacey did a terrible yeah. thing, but we need to obliterate his entire catalog and pretend he never existed now. Right. And I think that's like not exactly the punishment matching the crime, especially in Billy's case. Like you can make a case for the Kevin Spacey thing I just talked about based off of his <laughs> behavior. But Billy Mitchell, at worst, played maim and misrepresented it. Now that means his scores should absolutely be stripped on Donkey Kong of their respective areas. I completely agree with that. But the fact that you've got to, that you're going to erase this man from history and all of his other achievements he did because of this, especially retroactively, that's that's shitty in my opinion. Right. That's a little. I mean, from what little digging I did into like the Twin Galaxy stuff and then the high scores community, it's it's a bit obsessive, um, and right. it doesn't well, surprise. And, and it's a new guard. Richie Knuckles right. kind of took over like four or five years ago and, um, and things have changed. Yeah. It's, so, it's clear, but I, I, I do agree. I think if you look at someone like Billy Mitchell, like, you know, anybody who could bring something to the forefront is, is or has a recognizable name. I think they should be given credit for that. And like you said, sure. You know, don't throw the baby out or the you know, baby out with the bathwater, whatever yeah, that's saying. That's the phrase. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't don't get rid of your babies. Uh, <laughs> but 
you know, you, you should appreciate the guy for what he at least did. And, um, and I'll admit my only impression was from King of Con and I kind of interpreted him as an ass, but he seemed like a nice enough guy. Like I yeah. said, a little guarded, but I don't blame him given he the, was waiting for us to say it right he was right. waiting for us to ask him and that's why i didn't i don't need his response i don't right. care because at the end of the day you know him for what he did already like he, well and not only that but like he's not going to tell me anything other than deny it i knew that right uh, why why make it weird <laughs> yeah. um but yeah everybody said he's a nice guy and then meeting him in the flesh like for what it's worth, cocky, sure, right? Because oh, yeah. because he asked me um, how uh, mentions of him trafficked versus mentions of uh, Twin Galaxies, yeah, right. Like that was the only thing he cared about when I mentioned <laughs> I have like a podcast and website and stuff like that. And I didn't mention it to like brag to him. Uh, I mentioned it to to talk about just like how I appreciate him and, and to show him that like both, and this was to Walter also to show that both of them, like the, I like you guys because you guys are part of this like golden age of gaming that like is, is the Genesis for this site, you know? And, um, feel however the fuck you want about Billy Mitchell. I really don't care. Um, but you know, what is Guinness going to do? Is Guinness going to, they've, they've blown him away. Like he doesn't exist, but you know what? There are a ton of hardcover books year over year of Guinness book of world records, video game edition that have his name in it. Right. And it's this weird revisionist history that just, again, rubs me the wrong way. Billy's going to have to, you know, you know, he claims he can prove otherwise, and I, I'm not completely on board with that. And again, I'm not going to defend the guy in any way, shape, or form. That being said, like, you know, he was nice to me, and I, I'm not going to hold any ill will for him. And um, again, I think he got a raw deal in the King of Kong. Uh, Isn't that always the damnedest? You want to hate somebody, and then they just smile at you, and you're like, shit. Right, and, like- and for the record, man did not mention... Or attempt to sell us any hot sauce. <laughs> I was hoping. I was I, actually hoping too. I was a little <laughs> let down because if I could get a Billy Mitchell signed bottle of hot sauce, that would have been fucking oh, great. That would have made the weekend perfect. I had cash in my pocket. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but secondarily, man, that hair helmet—it's so oh, good. It's so good. <laughs> I he's 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 an older guy. I don't know how he keeps it perfect like that. Yeah, and but I gotta say, with a bald spot, I'm a little pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I know it gives me aspirations. Um, <laughs> and the one thing I was taking back, like I'm a tall guy, and he, he's he's, see, he's tall. He's tall <laughs> yeah, he's a tall man. Yeah, you can see the height difference. What does he have? Like two, three inches on you? Yeah, and I'm six two. So <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because you're you're I'm five ten. So like and barely at that. So like yeah, everybody towers over me, but. <laughs> Um, but Sorry, yeah, yeah. So, All right. but yeah, so real quick, the show is broken up into four major sections. The, and this is, these sections have always existed, even in the Sheridan, uh, number one showcase you see right after you enter the show is usually, um, the, uh, the lecture halls, um, or in the case of the Sheridan, it was the restaurant, but now it was four lecture halls. <laughs> and that's the first thing you see when you enter the show, especially, uh, no matter where you are, the the escalator takes you up to the larger floors. But there were like right there was was the lecture halls where all of the the speaking was going on. 
the panels, if you will. And that's still where they were, but they were on the, the ground floor of the Wisconsin Convention Center. Um, the second area, and probably the one that I've always been most fascinated with, and the one we were just describing, was the museum. Uh, the museum is, they, they pretty much have every microcomputer and console, whether American only or international, out on display with at least one game for you to play. And you can actually see these things working. Um, yeah, that part was awesome. Right, and we will get into that in one sec. Uh, then there was always the Stern Pinball Hall, which also had all of the arcade vendors where the cabinet people would let you play their cabs and buy their, their arcades. That was merged into one big hall, which you can see in the, in the gallery, uh, for this show. Um, and I will tell you, Matt, that's a significantly lower number of arcade machines as a result. Uh. Yeah, that's... I would say, I would say, uh, but a couple of people that used to occupy those halls and portions of those halls had their own area, including, and we'll talk about it a little later, the Galloping Ghost arcades and stuff like that. So, um, but, uh, and then there were always the hotel rooms, the random hotel rooms, which <laughs> you now saw were just random conference rooms. Yes. And then probably the number one area that everybody knows is the vendor room, uh, which is where it is, I think the best word to use is cavalcade of <laughs> people trying to sling their shit, whether some were collectors, some were professional shop owners. And there's always like a spot in the back where you can get snacks and uh, food. And um, there's always a stage where like chip tune and, uh, you know, video game music cover bands like to hang out and those were here too and again this was a snack place there was also a sandwich shop that was out in the main area for you to buy stuff but uh yes. again they had more room this time around and they had a uh, semi-loose policy on beer it seemed and that's always been the case okay um so what i will say is i think especially speaking nothing glass regardless yeah. of what's in it be it water soda or alcohol nothing glass into a convention center same was true at the sheridan um i don't think alcohol is encouraged to be there but as is always the case as the show winds down both on saturday and sunday and definitely on friday night but friday night's more of an incestuous <laughs> kind of intimate thing i mean we should point out the weekend pass was 55 bucks and i don't know if you remember matt but it was 50 bucks for the friday night thing oh no i didn't see that yeah so you're literally doubling your night and 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 you'd think that's insane and people wouldn't go it's sold out and it sells (laughs) out every time because it's where you can get first crack at all the vendor stuff um and it's also you know like there was a place selling pvms which are really high-end um monitors uh, Matt got to see these for the first time. So had you oh. ever seen a PVM before? No, I had not. So I could see why people might pay the pretty penny. Yeah, these are these are CRTs that are usually, they're small. They're between like nine and I think the biggest I've seen of these is 20 inches. And you've, I don't think they had a 20 inch on display. The most common ones we were seeing, the nine inch one was the cute one we saw. Um, <laughs> so close. But, but yeah, the, usually the standard size is 12 to 15 inches. And I think most stuff was on either a 12 or a 15 inch that we saw PVMs for. But that there was right. no doubt they were gorgeous. Yeah, those things were phenomenal. What was the asking price of that nine incher? 
Uh, the nine incher like was three. 125 actually. Oh, that wasn't awful. Yeah, that was a really cheap price. Um, and you always want to check and make sure they have RGB ins, which his did. Uh, but he said they wouldn't sell it if it didn't. Like, um, nice. But you're usually looking to spend 300 for a 12 to 15 inch. And the reason we call them PVMs is that's the model number. It's Sony. Their broadcast ones are called BVMs. And those usually have... Those are hit or miss on whether or not they've got good sharpness. They usually have a lot of hours. These things have limited hours in them, and you can see their hour count through their like menu screen. And so BVMs are great, but they are it's kind of understood that they're closer to death. You know what I mean? They've got mm-hmm. a, they're a large they're all a ticking time bomb, but that one those are closer. PVMs are the professional ones. Those were usually I told you they were used for like endoscopies and stuff. Yes. Much rarer use. You know what I mean? They didn't turn them on until right before doing them or like an ultrasound or, you know, various other things. And so as a result, and those also were more likely to support HD resolutions such as 480p, 720p, 1080i. So that's why the PVMs are more popular. The average PVM will cost you three to 400 bucks with low hours. And by low hours, I mean, I want to say between 500 and 2,500 hours of use on them not gonna lie i might be worth it (laughs) just from my visual uh uh visualization right and i would have loved to um in fact i'll send you a photo at some point i would i want to show people like i have a trinitron which uses the same technology but of course it's it's a big old crt um and when you use rgb signals on it it comes pretty darn close um it's very sharp and I'm not going to lie, man. It's sharper than the RCA I gave you. Um, no. But but again, it's that RCA is pretty darn good too. Like, again, anything that basically has component video can make a really sharp look uh, out of standard def. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so first crack at the PVMs, they were mostly gone when Matt and I got in there Saturday morning. So, like, you kind of go to the Friday night show for that. And the Friday night show is where you meet and greet all the celebs. You know, doing everything I was doing, uh, which wasn't – I wasn't meeting the celebs, but I was shaking hands with a couple of people I knew. Um, you know, if you want an easy access to all that, there you go. And there were a lot of people that were at the show we didn't even see. Like, night of retro debauchery. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Like, I don't remember seeing Ben Heck anywhere at that show. Um, I don't remember seeing um, a lot of a lot of people that I, I looked over here and saw, and yeah, like in the guest list. And I was like, oh, those people were at the show. I had no idea, you know. So, um, I bet that's where you would find them if you wanted to mingle among the commoners. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's where I would go. You know, Friday but, night times are six to twelve a.m. That's impressive. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Jeez. So, um, so, uh, so yeah, so alcohol, yeah, it, it always gets in there. The vendors usually start drinking at about five o'clock, as we saw. <laughs> um, and then on Sunday, they usually start drinking at about like noon, because uh, <laughs> they're all starting to break it down by like yeah. four o'clock. Show closes at five. Getting rid of everything. Yeah. Um, and this year actually was good. I was telling Gren this in 2015 when I went. Um, it, it was a big bubble economy at that time, and people had really high prices and were sticking to them. There was almost no negotiating, and the prices were ridiculous. I mean, much more ridiculous than we saw, Matt. Like, uh, I remember like Nightmare on Elm Street on the NES in cart form was selling for like thirty bucks. What a uh, steal! N64 Zeldas were selling for like eighty. 
They sell high, but we could, I mean, you could have gotten a cart only for what, 30 bucks at that show? Easy? Yeah. Maybe even negotiated your way to 25. And if you wanted a boxed copy, you still could have gotten it for less than 80. Yeah, I saw a significant amount of boxed copies that were actually not that expensive for N64 and even uh, Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo is on the way out. So as I'm sure you saw, carts are coming down on Nintendo games. Uh, Nintendo yeah. was a it was a good show if you wanted to bolster your Nintendo <laughs> collection. So well, while we're in the vendor booth, you want to just keep going with the vendor booth? Yeah, let's do it. So, so anyway, one, sorry, continue what you were about to say. Oh, uh, no. Uh, one thing I will notice, uh, it was interesting. Uh, you, I... At the conventions I've been to, you know, they always have the vendor halls. Those are kind of fun to look in, like especially Gen Con. But I just don't have the patience to just meticulously look through stock like I'm sure people do. Um, but it, had I had that, I mean, there were some areas that were really good deals. And then you could go like two booths over and people were like charging almost double or triple the price on the same product. So that was always kind of interesting. Um, so it was right. important. And again, to kind of a lot field. of times, a lot of times they don't know the other right. person's price or they're just stubborn which we see a lot too yeah because <laughs> uh, i think the guy on the um uh what is it sunday when we we're there he, you know he made a good point you know the difference between collectors just getting rid of their stock versus you know businesses that are trying to meet bottom line yes yeah, so so. this was the individual i should just point out that sold me a pal copy of oh, yeah. jurassic park operation genesis which it was so funny i wanted to ask you this uh but yeah he sold it to me for 10 bucks because it's pal and um, I'm coming to find out that a large portion of PAL games, if you put them in into an NTSC Xbox, just work. And if today oh. hadn't been such a frantic day, I would have tested this. But mine's <sighs> soft modded, so there's ways to fix that problem anyway. I can force NTSC on it, and oh. I can force 480p. And see, that's the thing. PAL and NTSC matter when you're interlaced signals, when you're standard definition. Uh, because of their frame rate. But once you get to 480p, that's a standard. That's 720 by 480 um, at 60 frames a second. They're all going to be that way. That's why Xbox 360 no longer matters and stuff like that when you put them in components. So when you're in component video mode on the Xbox, most PAL games, it doesn't matter what they were because they have what's known as a 60 hertz mode. And the, the frame rate differences is always what jacks with the TV, right? The TV doesn't care what resolution it's at. It'll just look blown up. But it's the 50 to 60 frames. Right. Because PAL's 50 frames, that's the problem. Uh, so it might just work. I'll find out. I'll test it out and let you guys know. But yeah, those guys were just collectors and they were just trying to get rid of those stock. But what I wanted to ask you is, you were enamored by Operation Genesis and I'm wondering why. Was this like a... <laughs> A holy grail, or did it just catch your interest while you were there? So uh, a couple of reasons. So I, I am a Jurassic Park fan, um, and I just love the old school Jurassic Park games. I love the uh, the Genesis game. It's kind of the reason why I wanted to get a Sega CD because I love the uh, Jurassic Park Sega CD game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, like Operation Genesis, I missed the train on that one when it came out and then i think you and jam were talking about it uh, a couple of months ago yeah me and like, trees talk about it oh, too. we right. all have a copy of it like right. everybody picked it up and i'm just like how did i miss this park builder jurassic park like that's yeah, i love those sim games so mm-hmm. um yeah it's just one of those like this would be a fun game to play and i think i could still enjoy it but with the newer version coming out it's kind of a tough call especially although we saw the prices range from uh 
I think I saw one for like 35 and they were going all the way up to 80. So it was interesting. I just and didn't that came down to That came down to like uh, uh, condition because of right. course the $35 one was scratched pretty heavily. But I told you if you, it was the PS2 version. So if you just resurface it, it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. So that one might have just been – and having played it is my um, – is my – enamorness of it misplaced or is it actually fun uh it's fun it's good it is not uh so think of a park builder game it is not quite as strong as theme park okay but what is fun is the things that happen are very different right theme park you don't have enough bathrooms the bathrooms have long lines in jurassic park operation genesis uh, you when things go wrong, the raptor gets <laughs> So, uh, but... I'm going to go piss in this Tlophosaurus. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> oh, and they do stuff. Like, if you don't put up, like, high enough fences and stuff, like, the fucking raptors jump it and things oh, like geez. that. But, but as fun as the scenarios sound, the pacing of the game is very slow, okay. actually. I should point out, these are long sessions and stuff. Um, the other thing I found out is there is a PC version that's, like, just readily available on the internet. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, there we and go. And it's probably better with a keyboard and mouse. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. And I have it on PS2. Like, I have a PS2 copy. Um and then I, this Xbox version is just, it's, it's in slightly better resolution and everything. Um, but it's a CD game. Like, it's 700 megs. It's a very small game. Nice. Um, so, uh, but it's a rare game, right? As you know, right. like, it, it's valued at about 60 to 80 on PS2 and about 80 to 100 on Xbox. So yeah. um, it's a rare game. You're not the only lie. one who missed the boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I won't lie. Sometimes I, I fall into the, uh, oh, oh, shit, that's rare. Well, now I want it, too. Um, <laughs> that happens more often than I'd care to admit. But <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I think people get caught up in it. Like, I've been talking to people, like, everybody was staggering to eBay. Right now, it's 60, 70, 80 bucks for Conker's Live and Reloaded, right. which isn't even a good port of that game. I think we both, me and uh, Chris, talked you out of it when we were talking about it. Right. It's nine ninety nine digitally. Got released yesterday when on the seventeenth when uh, the backwards compat hit. Right, and I, you know, I almost shame to admit I paid way too much for Conquer's Bad Fur Day on the N sixty four, but primarily because I lost my copy or someone stole it. But I think I paid like eighty or ninety for that to get it again, which is a better game, I guess, according to you yeah, guys. Yeah, and that's not too bad. I think these days it sells for over a hundred. Um, yeah. My brother-in-law had a boxed copy, and I sold it for him and got like two fifty for it. Nice. So like people go nuts over that stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I was interested in Operation Genesis, and as you mentioned, the Planet Coaster guys are releasing their version on both consoles and PC. Although I'm still of the mind that that's a better PC game than it is a console game. Yeah, Sims just don't do so good on the consoles. Yeah, I mean it's okay. It it works. But it's not great. It's like, do, do you remember when we were at the store uh, at the show? Because you got to see a bunch of ports you never knew existed. You were like, Warcraft Two was on this Saturn, and it's a hundred dollars. <laughs> oh yes. And I was like, yeah, and it's a bad version of it too. <laughs> I, I do have a special place in my heart for this Starcraft sixty four, and uh, I know, like nostalgia be damned. I still know that was a piece of shit game. Well, I, they couldn't have that many units. Like, forget the right. whole, like, how do you make an RTS work on a console? It's also because the, the N64 couldn't render that many units yeah. at once. So a Zerg rush was two fucking Zergs. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I will say though, split screen with your friend, couch, couch co-op for a strategy RTS, just watch and build. There you go. Yeah, that's real good. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's so it was it was a lot of fun. Um, surprisingly, you didn't really buy anything at the show. No, uh, I had my eyes set on that uh, Sega CD Franken console, which I should have bit the bullet on. Um, which was a good deal. It was like the whole console for 150 and probably going to talk them down, but and we should point out uh, for those that are collectors or or know a lot about this, it was a Genesis 1, a 32X, a Sega CD2, and the patch cable. If you have a 32X on a Genesis 1, you need a special patch cable for stereo sound and it had all those things and he was asking 150. That was his asking price. Right. You um, could have probably gotten him to go lower than that. I know. I just, uh, it was one of those things. I just was a need versus want kind of mentality. So I was like, ah, I don't know. So well, I, I kept swinging you by. You remember we right. talked about that. I kept, at, by the this third time I asked him, hey, are you sure you don't want to just grab this now? And he said, no. I was like, okay, he's willing to let this go. And I know yep. you felt bad afterwards when we went and looked for it Sunday and it was gone, which makes sense. But right. at the same time, I don't know if you necessarily wanted it that bad. So Right. It's just one of those things. Okay, do I need this right now? What am I going to do with this? Uh, yeah, it'd be fun, you know, but yeah. Um, another time perhaps. But um, actually, I was thinking, because speaking of walking around, it kind of occurred to me afterwards when you went back for that, uh, you, what is it, the crossover? Uh, uh, oh, the pastors, uh, right? What do you call those? Oh yeah, so I bought a uh, a switch box. Yeah, switch box. Had, yeah, uh, it was component <laughs> S video, and it was four in, one out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember when you actually finally grabbed the thing, and the guy was like, "Oh yeah, some people kept coming by and picking it up, but no sales." I'm like, "I'm pretty sure he's talking about you when you came by like three or four times picking that damn thing up." Well, it was fourteen bucks, which was too high, and I was ready to pay ten. And it was really funny because finally, I just, it, I think it was Saturday afternoon. I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to buy this. And I'm just going to, there's, there's a thing when you can walk away from anything and you don't want to go too crazy, but I was like, 10 bucks is all this is worth. And it might not even be worth that. I haven't even tested it to see if it works, um, but it wasn't powered. So I'm pretty sure it'll work. Um, and the guy just told me 10 bucks and like, I don't know if he misread the price tag or, or what, but yeah, people just didn't know what it was. And he thought that the reason people weren't buying it was it was GameStop. But it, you're right. It was probably just me walking down <laughs> times picking it up, but um, so yeah, other than that, I, I picked up, uh, the only thing I really got was Gremlins 2 for NES. Right. That was a good one. Sunsoft NES game. And, um, another fantastic one you'll love is the, uh, Star Fox Zero, um, <laughs> with the Star Guard, uh, inbox for, I think I ended up getting it for 10 bucks. Yeah. Sealed. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was insane. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I don't know if that game's any good. Like you, I bought it sealed. I opened it up, whatever. But Guard is sold on like a lot of sites for like 20 bucks. And everybody agrees that game's a lot of fun. So nice. I don't know what it is, but it's like a retro game. Nice. So whatever. Yeah, other than that, it like, kind of like what I said earlier, the problem with vendors halls, vendor halls, it's almost like uh, uh, an embarrassment of riches. There's just too much. And unless you know what you're looking for, and you even told me this, I think Saturday, it's like the most dangerous thing you could do is walk into these these vendor halls with an like I need this uh, yeah. mentality. Uh, so just kind of going around browsing, it's easy to talk yourself out of. Uh, do I really need this? Do I need that? Like, and unless you're going to start digging through and be like, oh shit, like a sealed copy of whatever for like ten bucks. Um, yeah, it's just hard. 
like I, I, I don't know, like because you didn't buy too much. You bought some kind of strange, I buy weird stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yes, you I'm sure some. you can tell. So, uh, real quick, I'll just mention the other thing I bought, which I cannot wait to write about, <laughs> was they had a. I think it's called the Activator. This is the backpack that vibrates, that plugs into the wall, and the guy verified that it worked. Although that doesn't mean dick, because I'm never gonna <laughs> check it. And it plugs into Super Nintendo and Genesis because there were a lot of weird accessories during this time period. And if you play it during fighting games, but I'm sure it works anytime there's bass, the sound of the impact has it vibrate in different sensors. There's six different <laughs> vibrating sensors on the back that vibrate as you play. So I'm wearing a backpack vibrator that just like vibrate, it shakes me as I play video games. I cannot oh, wait to play this. Don't forget that chest vibrator. Oh, was it chess too? Is that what I it think is? there's a chess like I vaguely remember that thing coming out and it's like, oh or maybe I want what that. I think is a backpack is actually for my chest. I bet that's what it is. I think so, because I, I remember the whole advertisement. It's like, oh, watching this kid get punched in the chest. Was, yeah, <laughs> so you're in for it. To. I can't wait to see how this thing and works. It was 15 bucks, right? And do you remember that guy? I was he was like, please don't make me take this back. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, but I wanted to cover it, and I was like, nobody else is going to want this. Yeah. I want this. Um, Poor little thing just hanging there under the the tables, you yeah, know, like a yeah. beat up box, <laughs> no instructions. So, so I think, yeah, and I'm trying to remember what else I bought. Oh, and then I bought Morrowind. That's right, which we've confirmed now the game of the year edition of the original Xbox titles, unless there's an extra disc, it doesn't work. And even uh, Jam tried his Jade Empire Special Edition. I tried mine. It doesn't even give you that extra content. So, um, but, uh, so yeah. But, but yeah. you know, people are like, well, then it's no use. No, 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 no. If you have an original Xbox, <laughs> you can still play the Game of the Year version with all the DLC. <laughs> um, but there is no DLC download packs. Uh, for comparison, though, for those listening, the 360 games that like Fallout 3 and uh, Oblivion, I can confirm those. The DLC does work if you have the Game of the Year edition. You just put in Disc 2 instead of Disc 1, and it downloads the Game of the Year version. Jesus, Fred, you're trying to tell people they have to play retro games on a retro console? What the hell? I know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but real quick, there were some trends I saw, so I want to talk a little bit awesome. with you about that. So. Uh, one thing I saw was, and we were kind of seeing this, was um, some of the things that are at most shows seem to be vacant. Most notably, you were looking for a GunCon 2, PlayStation oh, yeah. 2 light gun, and we couldn't find light guns outside of the Wii and the uh, Lethal Enforcers Justifier. I don't remember seeing There were zappers galore. Zappers yeah. everywhere. Yeah, zappers everywhere. There was one light phaser, which is the Master System one. Um, oh, and you know what? Actually, I did see a good number of Menacers and Super Scopes, which was the Genesis and uh, That's true. Super Nintendo ones. But the the main consoles you would think you'd want them for, because they have the best ports, is like PlayStation 1 with the Gun Con, uh, PlayStation 2 with the Gun Con 2, and even the Xbox light gun wasn't there, which can be used with House of the Dead and Silent Scope and stuff like that. Uh, no Dreamcast light guns. I think you found that one in a box and it was kind of overpriced. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, the um, light guns on like the, the the you know, PlayStation and later were very rare. I mean, is that just, it? you know, NES is out and PS1 and 2 are in now? All the guns are... Yes, taken. that's... I, I don't know if the PS1 is so in from a software standpoint, but you do see trends right okay. now. The the most popular stuff, and I'm sure you were noticing this, was um, 
It used to be Super Nintendo. In 2015, Super Nintendo and Nintendo were gods. Um, and Genesis always kind of hovers. Um, now, N64 is definitely a big one. Yeah. And the, the, the rare Super Nintendo, N64, and Genesis games were probably the ones everyone was highlighting. Yeah. Even the uh, SNES and the um, Genesis stuff wasn't as bad as it. Because um, no, I was looking like at the, Sunset Riders. Those were actually cheaper than I usually see them for. That's so, true. So, but like Crusader of Senti, when I wasn't oh, yeah. paying attention, that game jumped up to 250 cart, only 400 by itself. I was or 400 in the box. Uh, I have a picture in the gallery. We found a box copy of Evo, and he let me touch it. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, but yeah. Oh, the other one that I saw. You know what else was way high in price was Neo Geo is coming back the collectors are kind of snatching up the end of those ah yes i'm noticing for the for that stuff uh saturn saturn was a big one uh if you wanted that's saturn true. games you were going to pay a pretty penny for them and and people were kind of hoarding them yeah i think when i was looking at saturn's like a year or two ago there was more like 50 bucks for a system and here is like 80 90 easy the American systems are. You can still grab Japanese systems, and it really doesn't matter with the Saturn because you, you're going to slap up Pro Action Replay, which makes it region-free no matter what oh, you're Oh, you think it. so. You think I'm going to. <laughs> it gives you the save battery. Ba- it, like, it gives you extra save space, and it also gives you um, the RAM carts. Yeah, you're going to do it. Oh, uh, Japanese Saturns are still going to be 50 bucks. Um, but right. yeah, American Saturns are more like the hundred dollar range now. And so those 80, 90 ones we saw at the show, um, which were probably tested. Um, those were, those were pretty safe. Um, th- those were pretty safe bets, pretty safe prices, but yeah, the nice. Saturn's gotten a little expensive, but you did see what I keep telling people, right? We, how many booths did you go to where they had like a gluttony of Saturn Japanese games? They were, you know, selling oh, yeah. for nothing. Right, and then all the American games were like 200, 300 bucks each. Yeah, imports actually, that was a trend I saw. Imports, not expensive. People were getting rid, wanted to get rid of those. Japanese games in America, not selling well. PAL games, neither, but almost no one had PAL games. Yeah, just the, I think that's the only one I saw was the one you got. Yeah, and well, and of course, you'll remember I wanted, there was a guy who had a Genesis 1, sorry, a Mega Drive 1. Oh, that's right. And a Mega CD 1, and I was like, it's either PAL or Japan NTSC, which is it? And I asked him, and he said PAL, and you watched the the smile just wash away from your face. <laughs> I wasn't going to buy that. Um, but I wanted the Japanese one for fun. Like, I have no need for it. I can change the firmware and play Japanese games, no problem. But um, but I thought it would be cool to have. And I love the Sega CD one, but note to the wise kids, if you don't already have a top loader, you want the top loader because the first thing that goes on those Sega CD ones, and it's very common, is the tray that comes out. It'll break easily. So. Uh, um, 3DO was really expensive. Didn't see too many games. The games that were there were pretty well-priced, but none of the real popular 3DO games were there. I didn't see a Night Trap. I didn't see a Sewer Shark. I didn't see... Uh, um, any of the known 3DO games. The the only time you saw a 3DO game that was even well-known was you saw the in the museum, you saw right. the Road Rash 3DO, which I have that one too, um, which full disclosure, that's on Sega CD also. But that <laughs> the same version? Pretty, uh, same, same game, yeah. It's a little higher quality in the 3DO, but it's the same version. Nice. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like if you wanted the rare 3DO games, not even rare, the sought-after 3DO games, the ones people want to play, 
uh, other than like Twisted and That's News to Me by Dennis Miller, um, <laughs> those weren't at the show. And 3DOs, in my opinion, are getting way too overpriced. I think it's they were valid prices, but you heard me ask people and they had like no, no top loaders I saw. I have the top loader system, but the drive tray ones, the gold star ones um, were like, what, 125, 150 usually when yeah. I asked? Yeah, they were up there. I was like, oof, oof. Didn't want to get rid of those. Yeah. Uh, N64 is worth a dime a dozen. Except for that teal one. Yeah. Pay 100 bucks <laughs> for that shit. For bucks. <laughs> uh, I think that's a rarer one. But other other than that, you could grab an N64 for 50 bucks. You grab a Genesis for. Tw- Remember that? There was that one guy who had the bin of Genesis's and PlayStation 1s for $9.99. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it was like console only, no cables or anything, but. Um, start handing them out to people's stockings. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I sh- oh, shit. I should have grabbed one. I was going to solder a mod chip into a place. <laughs> anyway. Um, and NESs were also pretty down. They were 50 bucks for a good, complete, tested, working NES. Um, Turbo Graphics was high-priced. Games yeah. and all the games are way up there. Splatterhouse is like 70 bucks now. I was like, fuck. Yeah, that's a bit much. I'm never selling my collection now. Like, just in <laughs> case I ever had an inkling to get back into it. Fuck that. Um, and uh, Turbo Graphics is what were those were starting at 150 for American consoles. At least, yeah. And, I think I saw them as like 200. Easily. Yeah, and the and the PC Engine CDs, which is what I have, the PC Engine Duos and the Turbo Duos. I mean, those suckers were four five hundred. Like my RGB modded ones got to be. You know, I don't care what it's worth, but like. Thank God I don't have to buy it now. <laughs> Hold on to your shit, kids. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, hopefully it's just a, a phase, but... Uh, no Virtual Boys for sale. They were there, but none for sale. Yeah, I think uh, I've tried my first Virtual Boy in 30 years. <laughs> Did your headache go away? <laughs> no. I think that's why I got sick on Monday. Right? Um but uh, but yeah, and so that was the stuff I noticed about the trends was just interesting stuff. PlayStation, I didn't see really anything. Like all the rare stuff was there for pretty good prices. If you wanted anything that was truly rare, you weren't pay- paying much on PlayStation. Remember Ogre Battle? That thing was over a hundred bucks usually, and I think the guy was even asking eighty. You probably could have gotten it for seventy you, or sixty. You know, that's another one at that first booth we stopped at. Uh, complete in box, fifty bucks for Ogre Battle sixty four. Right, right. I that was. That yeah, I I prefer the PlayStation one, but sure, sure. I like my polygons. I just love my little blocky graphics cartridge your vaseline smear yeah um but uh but yeah like uh, and especially like resident evil stuff did you see that how many places did we walk by that had the resident evil playstation one trilogy where you got like director's cut two and three yeah and they were selling it as like a bundle for like 40 bucks yeah it wasn't bad it was cheap yeah um playstation was cheap playstation Uh, PlayStation two two was cheap right uh oh that, that was the other thing i almost bought was the res uh, oh, yes. a, he had a boxed version of the Japanese version of Res that had the vibrator. Uh, Fred was really into vibrators this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and I was about to buy it, and then the guy mentioned that if you have Res HD on the 360, you could do it with controllers. They they emulated that with multiple controllers, and I was like, well, fuck, I've got 360, I've got Res HD, and I've got three controllers. I don't need this for 75 bucks. And to be honest, 
that $75 price was pretty good. And I was going to offer him 50, which is a huge markdown, but like, that's my thing. It's like, I don't need this, but right. if you'll part with it for this price, I'll take it off your hands. And I don't know if you would have done that. And I didn't even have to have that conversation because yeah, we talked about it, but right. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, interesting stuff, but it was, what was more telling was what wasn't there than what was, um, you know, you, you, probably weren't getting a 3do you definitely weren't getting anything super rare i don't even remember seeing one atari jaguar let alone the jaguar cd which i was looking for i thought we saw one jaguar cd maybe i'm crazy though i mean there were a lot of jaguar cds at the at the show yeah maybe all my to play but none to to buy nobody's selling them you know what i'm always curious with these things um it's like who goes in and says like you know what you know, I got a thousand dollars and I want to copy a little Samson today. Like, does that shit ever sell yeah. at these things? Really? Uh, not as well. Remember that one guy told us there were some yeah. guys that were pretty candid, not as well. And somebody had that rare reissue of the Shadowhawk Super Nintendo demo game. There's like only thought to be 30 in the world. He was selling that for 500 bucks. Um, but right. no, and and again, that actually that was the last trend I wanted to talk about. Matt and I kept getting fucked by collectors markets, and I, I I'm not dig, dogging on collectors. In fact, I told him I want to start a collectors podcast. Right. So stay tuned for that. It'll be part of the other 700 podcasts I'm launching that'll never actually come out. But, um, but how many times did Matt and I see something that we wanted, but it was like a complete in box or a sealed copy, and it was like, ugh, I'm not gonna pay that. Right. And I think that was, uh, I think one of the vendors even talked to us about that. It was, uh, it kind of hurt sales because, you know, you either get it, you're selling to that one specific guy who's going to collect or, you know, there's mm-hmm. the people who just want to buy, you know, the game, but it's complete. And like, eh, I don't need to pay 60, 70, hundred dollars for that thing. Right. So it's kind of interesting in the divide of the markets that way, I think, cause he, I wouldn't be opposed, but there was a certain guilt if, I mean, <laughs> Grinched at Star Fox Zero, but I'm like, you know, getting this in box new. I'm like, oh, it feels weird getting this. I couldn't imagine <laughs> getting an N64 game brand new in box. I'm like, then just opening it and as soon as I get home, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> what I, I mean, do? for what it's worth, my Jaguar copy of Kasumi Ninja, which is a bad Mortal Kombat clone, the only copies the guy had were sealed, and he was selling the opened one for 20 the sealed one for 25 I was like, well, at least with the sealed one, I know... It hasn't touched anybody. <laughs> there you go. So I bought it and opened it. <laughs> but I don't think people care about that. But like, for example, there was a guy who had, what was it? Castlevania Bloodlines on the Genesis. And he had it sealed for 100 bucks. And Bloodlines is going to run you like 70 for a complete version anyway. I could see you paying 100 for that sealed copy and then just opening it knowing it's a, a pristine copy. But... Like, you have just eliminated a very rare sealed game from the universe, right? And I, I tell people, like, I'm not everyone's like this, but I, I can't do that. And the guy was like, well, who, who fucking cares? But he wants to sell it. Like, I get that. But, mm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's interesting. It gives me, like, this weird buyer's guilt that I don't usually get. <laughs> 
The other thing was, uh, didn't see flash carts there. There was that one guy selling the Turbo Everdrive, which is the TurboGrafx flash cart for a hundred bucks. And that's a good price for it. And why not? TurboGrafx games are so expensive. If you just want to play TurboGrafx games, especially with the virtual console gone now from the Wii marketplace, there's no good place to get TurboGrafx games anymore. Fuck. Buy, buy a flash cart. Like, if you're dropping 200 bucks for a fucking TurboGrafx-16, grab the flash cart and have the library. My God. Right. Um, but I was expecting to see a lot more of, like, the NES EverDrive or things like that, and I didn't. Um, we did. There was that one booth. I think they're selling like uh, Earthbound um, beginnings. Oh, the fucking repro carts. Yeah. I, you know my thoughts on that. I've, yeah. <laughs> but they were selling repro carts for fifty bucks, and I was like, "That's fucking dog shit." Um, the guys selling so, their own unique creations. Fine, fine. Right. But yeah, the repros with Earthbound Beginnings and Mother Three, the English patch, and Star Fox Two from the SNES Classic. I'm like, you fucking people. Um, also, didn't see any NES or SNES Classic editions really. I saw one or two SNESs for like a hundred bucks, which isn't a crazy markup. Like that makes sense if you're a store, you just got one, sell it for a hundred bucks. Yeah, I, th- I think I saw one going for about a hundred. I thought it was a NES, but maybe it wasn't SNES. I can't remember now. I can't remember now, but yeah. So the things you would think would be there weren't, and the things that you didn't expect were, but it's really interesting to kind of see. I think it tells you less about what the retro market's doing right now and more about what the supply chain looks like. Right, which is interesting. You know, it'd be yeah. kind of, if you, if you could do it one year, to go and follow these conventions across the country and just kind of see how right, the, the supply shift. Right, because I'd to go to uh, California Extremes, the one I'm thinking of in California, um, and then Portland Retro Gaming Expo would be the big one. That's the one I want to fly out to and see what that's like. But uh, but yeah, uh, like I said, so that was the vendor booth. Uh, we obviously talked pretty long about it, um, but it is the thing that people always wonder when they go to these shows. Um, so um, Jump into the museum? Yeah, talk about the museum. What'd you think? Basically everything on display and playable. Man, I was so stoked. If I wanted to, I could play Rocket League for hours. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the anomaly that was why do people come to a retro game invent- convention to play things like Rocket League and Mario Kart 8, which they <laughs> can play anytime they want. Yeah, but uh, kidding aside, no, it was it was really well put together and it was actually uh, – pretty awesome just to see like they had uh one side was kind of just set up like here's all your you know stick fighters here's your shooters um and uh here's some you know platformers and then they actually went museum to lara croft games (laughs) yeah that was that was there (laughs) too um but but then they kind of just went from like the uh the 70s all the way up to the 2000s and you kind of just saw the the uh the console's locked in little dog kennels. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's fascinating to me. This kind of speaks to just, I guess, how great the community for retro games can be because these people are, they have these, you know, pretty expensive systems out. And yeah, their systems are locked away, but those controllers are out there. And you were showing me, what was it, this uh, Panasonic CDI controllers going for like one to 200? Oh, the Philips CDI? Yeah, yeah Philips, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, just sitting out there like someone's just trusting that no one's going to yank it or destroy it or do or anything. Or you could just pick up those kennels. They weren't locked to the table. Right. 
And there were some rare things. Uh, the like the Laser Active was in a glass case. That's the Laserdisc uh, console, and that that thing usually sells for five hundred plus. And you have to re. Right now, the capacitors are going out. That's happening to a lot of consoles. So you have to. Re, we call it recapping them. Um, but like you and I saw that Sharp sixty eight thousand, which was probably the one that drew the most American attention. Right, people who weren't familiar with that were just enamored both by the graphical fidelity of that. Japanese computer from like the late 80s right and and they they were playing Castlevania on there which is Castlevania Chronicles on the on the PlayStation 1 if you've never played it as a port of that um but uh it looked great yeah that was the best thing go ahead oh best best looking thing (laughs) well I was just gonna say like it stood because you're walking in like the 80s and you know you got these kind of like hexagonal and and pixelated things and all of a sudden you get this nice crisp picture in the back you're like oh what's that Right, and it had a VGA out, so it's hooked up to a monitor that's built for, uh, you know, high higher resolution. I think it's it's a weird resolution, five twelve by three eighty four or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, it stands out, and uh, that I've never, I've not even seen one for sale in America for a while. I'm sure they're there, but they're pretty rare. And so, if you wanted to make off with it. I don't know if you could get very far in the convention hall before security would slide tackle you, but you could see someone trying it. I don't know. I saw those security guys. I could probably take them. Yeah, see, there's that, you know, <laughs> but nobody even tried. And that's a good thing. We never heard anything about anyone breaking anything or walking off with anything or doing anything shitty. Right. It's just a good crowd. And yeah. that was kind of the nice part, too, is you could walk through. It wasn't hard to get to something to try it out. Like I, if you wanted to try anything and there was no line lines. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was hard for me to get to that uh, star Wars trilogy cab or, or my primal rage cab, but I'll, <laughs> I'll live. <laughs> Although you got to try the Philips CDI, you got to see the quality and you got to try yeah. dragon's layer too. You got to see what Daphne's oh, mom looks like after we were just talking about it. Yeah. So. She kicked my ass. I could not get out of there. <laughs> Um, my first boy into the Dragon Age world. I do have to pick up the first uh, first game on something. I think it's on everything, right? Phones even. <laughs> yes, Dragon's Lair. Yeah, not Dragon Dragon's Age, La- but yeah. Whoops. Dragon's Lair is on Sega CD. I don't believe Time Warp is on Sega CD, though, oh, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but it's on everything else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well. I think there is a DVD you can get where you literally put it in a DVD player and you use your DVD remote. Or on the Xbox, you'd use the controller, and nice. you can play, uh, you know, standard def versions of all those, which is much higher resolution than even the CDI. But uh, excellent. Um, but you got to see the CDI. I was showing you like the resolution of that looks pretty good for a standard def player. Like, yeah, and that that is kind of the thing. And I think the the biggest disappointment that came out of this um, this weekend was now I can see the difference with like RGB and uh, VGA. And that was my fault. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like the, uh, the thought of modding my console is, is it's in there. It's, it's kind of teasing at the bit there. So, well, and like I told you, Genesis is the lucky one. It's ready to go. Um, and by proxy, Sega CD and 32 X will also work. Cause they use all use the same AV out. Um, but, uh, most Sega consoles do RGB out natively because, Sega was more worldwide conscious, and Europe has used RGB since the beginning of time. So what you really need is a converter box, and then you're ready to go. You really just need to buy a converter box, and then, yeah, it's a $20, $30 cable every time you buy a new system. But then again, S-Video cables run about 15 bucks these days, so it's not that big of a That's not the worst. 
but it looks great. It's almost worth it. It's totally worth it. Um, it's that that hundred dollar component box <laughs> that's going to be. Uh, and those are becoming a little bit rare, but they're not going up in price. That's the good news. You might have to That's wait a couple of weeks on eBay till some other random person starts making them and selling them because they're all homemade boxes. But they're still available. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, so anything else in the museum? Anything you saw or anything you specifically wanted to talk about that was just like, wow, what the hell? <laughs> uh, well, the biggest thing was that X6800, which is, was just phenomenal. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, I see why I want one. Yeah, you know, I, I don't blame you. And um, the the one of those damn screens, the PCMs, PBMs, oh, the PBMs. PBMs. Yeah, because yeah. a couple of those were hooked up to PBMs. Yeah. yeah, and those do look nice. Like you can see them side by side to like the normal CRTs. <laughs> gorgeous, just gorgeous. Uh, but yeah, it, it, like you said, it was just funny because uh, the biggest lines were all the newer console stuff. You know, people playing th- the the Xbox shooters and the rocket league. So it made uh, everything Killer else easier. Instinct on yeah. the Xbox one. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, well, and we should point out when I said there was a museum to, uh, Lara Croft, normally I'm talking, you would expect to, and you guys probably imagine this when I said it, a bunch of tomb Raider games sitting out, but no, I mean like they were set up playable. It was like tomb Raider one. They had tomb Raider anniversary yeah. on the PS two. Then they had rise of the tomb Raider on the Xbox one. And you were just like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, it was like, a whole little uh, U-shaped crevice. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, somebody really liked Tomb Raider. Um, <laughs> and oh, to uh, fighters and shooters. Oh, and Lara Croft. Why not? Yeah, and there were, but we there were arcades there. Uh, Matt and I played through Golden Axe. We beat Death Adder. Yeah, that was impressive. Yeah. Fred kicked my ass a couple of times. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So. Let's like extend that out to like the, there used to be places where they were just in little um, hotel rooms. Now they got their own little conference room. We got to go see the Galloping Ghost Arcade, which is the notorious Illinois arcade that has Primal Rage 2. But they also have a couple of other unreleased cabinets. We got to play some of them. Um, also, I think they were they were in the Rampage movie. They were doing a lot of cross promotion with Rampage. Um, oh, they were. Oh, interesting. Yeah, when we walked by, they were doing a lot of like, they were selling crew shirts and stuff like that. Cool. And they had, we're in the Rampage movie. But um, they had Beavis and Butthead, which is an unreleased arcade game. Um, what'd you think of Beavis and Butthead? <laughs> Played it for 30 seconds. That was enough. It's um, dumb. It's a fighting game. It's kind of dumb. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, and I was a fan of the Sega Genesis game, but it was nothing like that. So yeah. it was sad. It broke my heart. And then Tattoo Assassins, which we found out from the owner. I got to go talk to the owner for a minute. Uh, super nice guy. If you're ever wanting to go to Galloping Ghost, the coolest thing about him is like he is, he, you can tell, like he loves this shit. And he had an affinity towards FMV games. So he's, he leans a little more to the Mortal Kombat clones, but he still appreciated Way of the Warrior on the 3DO, another game of which I never saw a box copy of. But And I think he made their own game. They had like some FMV game where people were just wearing like random shit and make their own fighters. It was It's not an FMV. Well, it kind of was an FMV, but it's yeah, it's more akin to Way of the Warrior, or Tattoo Assassins, or Mortal Kombat the original. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah. It, it looked interesting. I mean, I thought it was fun. But uh, Tattoo Assassins, that was that was an interesting game. Yeah, and and you it was hilarious because I did the fatality on you and pop, popped your head off, and you're like, "How'd you do that?" And I said, "I know, I know the moves in Tattoo Assassin, bitch." 
Um, but I think you're going to say that, that you talked to him. That's like an original, which was impressive. right. Tattoo Assassins was never released uh, by Data East, and uh, then he said that there was a sale for arcade cabinets, and they cracked it open. And it had it had flooded, and there was water damage on most of the arcades. They were unusable, and then the back they were like, "This is the only arcade that really didn't get damaged," and it happened to be Tattoo Assassins. He said he did a double take. He was like, wait, wait, wait. where did you get this? And he goes, I don't know. We were operating an arcade. It was one of the, it was one of the games that was in the arcade and we shut it down. He goes, you guys have this? And so I guess Tattoo Assassins in like test markets was available in very limited quantities, much like Primal Rage 2. And he got it. Um, Up to recently, people never knew Tattoo Assassins existed like in the real world. We just got the prototype ROMs. Yeah. So it was fun. I mean, and this thing, because that's uh, somewhere in Illinois. I'd have to check it out. Yeah. And the, and it's, it's like outside of Chicago, but like by an hour. Um, the cool thing, uh, and, and Matt, I hate to tell you, I think it's south of the city. <laughs> but, uh, but the cool thing about Galloping Ghosts is that guy is an enthusiast. So, for example, when he got Primal Rage 2, like an actual cabinet, and the same thing is true of Tattoo Assassins, he allowed MAME people to come download the ROM of it so that it could be posted online and everyone can enjoy it. So outside of the fact that he is to a certain extent a collector, because of course he's got rare arcades, but he always cycles in and out arcades. I think he's got a finite amount of space and it's like 500 machines, but he said like every week he cycles stuff out. Um, but like he wants everyone to be able to play these games. So that's why if you can't get to Galloping Ghosts, he knows that. So he's going to throw out the official ROM, make sure everyone can get their hands on it, put it in MAME and play these games. And I think nice. that's awesome. So no, that's pretty awesome. That's a good mission. But uh, yeah, Galloping Ghost was cool. Uh, they had their own little section. They also had the uh, Mortal Kombat guys. Daniel Cassina, <laughs> who played Johnny Cage, was there. Uh, and then there was something Parish, Not okay, Jeremy Parrish, but like... Uh, jo- it was like Joshua Parrish or something. Yeah. And he was Jax in the Mortal Kombat 2. And I hated... I was telling you, I, I was all pissed off that they uh, um, they painted his arms so that he had the metal arms. And I was like, but he, Jack, PS2 Jax didn't have the metal arms. <laughs> Uh, and then they had the skinny guy who played Shang Tsung in, in Mortal Kombat 2. I, I apologize. I forget his name off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I won't even try. I'm horrible with names. But, and, you know, now that I think about it, I don't know if Daniel Piscina, he was Johnny Cage in the first one. I don't know if he came back and was Johnny Cage in the second one. But he might have been. He might have been in the second one. I can't remember now. But it's on the Midwest Gaming Classic website. But they were there. Um, they were the only ones who were kind of charging for signatures, right? Or were they not charging? Uh I assume they were. They were kind of set up at a table, but I guess there was no real way unless we asked, which we didn't. Yeah, and I didn't want to bother them because I didn't have anything I wanted them to autograph. I just wanted to say hi and love that you were in that game. (laughs) I don't know. There was something about it where it seemed almost like, you know, kind of at like like you were talking about more traditional conventions for entertainment where like people charge. And they didn't have like – they didn't obviously have anything there that said they were charging. But again, it was just one of those weird things where I told Matt, I just assessed the situation, didn't feel comfortable. Um, But yeah. Yeah. And we were kind of in exploratory mode anyways. Too much to see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Vectrex, too. There was that one guy oh, with yeah. the Vectrex who might be able to help me out with my Jaguar CD archive project. So that'd be cool if that works out. Oh, oh that's right. Guys know. Um, and while you were doing that, I got my first uh, taste of Steel Battalion. 
with the the, the controller. <laughs> uh, so yeah, fascinating. It's I I love that that thing exists. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. <laughs> so this is for those that don't know. This is the Xbox game that has the massive controller that uh, is three sections and it's over 40 buttons yeah it was it took me a little bit to get started then once you're going i mean it it was fun i mean it did what it did but i I don't know if i want to convert that much that much muscle memory into a game Uh, i tell you best 30 seconds of your life yeah it was amazing but like i said i'm happy that something like that exists i i would like to see more of that thing that i'll probably for 30 seconds before being done with it but uh We'll see, but yeah, and no, it's a, a rogue like one one death. You're you're done. That's it. I well, what I did because you can't not. You, there's a little just like in the movies. There's a little glass thing, and you flip it up, and you press the red button to eject. Uh, how could you not push that? So I did. And oh yeah, that was the end of my thirty seconds. Oh yeah, because it does end your run. <laughs> yeah, you're out. Um, uh, they had me sitting next to my exploded mech, just like all sad, like I didn't complete my mission. <laughs> It's just like a little bummed out guy. Which is probably pretty common in the real world like if <laughs> mechs were real. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Uh, just like, oh, man, my my mech. Because, you know, they'll, they tell you like, oh, we got another one in the back. But those things probably take too long to build. Sitting there. Oh, yeah. There's $10 trillion down the drain. <laughs> but uh, uh, other than that, um trying to think, was there anything else uh, – from the, the, the conference rooms or the museum you wanted to talk about? So, uh, no, I mean, played a couple of cabinets. Uh, the pinball stuff was cool. Uh, oh, yeah. We got to see a lot of the pinball. Pinball is never really my thing, but once you kind of get in it, it's fun. I mean, I played a lot of that. Uh, what the hell was that one on, like, Windows 95, that star pinball thing? Oh, the virtual just, pinball stuff? Yeah, you just kind of hooked on that. But um, oh, the pinball machines, I think think star wars was my favorite because it's the one i did the best on that's my only justification yeah it was the the stern cabs were the ones we never really played any of the jersey jack ones the ones that i told you looked like just bad shit insane like yeah. wizard of oz and lord of the rings and stuff but uh um this was frustrating because like the, when they have the cool stuff you just get more annoyed when you can't do it you're like how the hell did i get up that fucking ramp so. yeah we also learned that the gottlieb uh, street fighter uh <laughs> Pinball's bullshit. Uh, aside from the flippers being mildly broken, um, you have to hit the ball uh, when it's coming. When it comes down the the ramp, there's an upper flipper, and you have to hit the ball with that upper flipper, or it goes straight down the middle, and and you lose your quarter. And I think that's how it always was. Yeah, that was that's kind of a BS build right there. And Matt learned that I just can't stop getting pinballs. To go out of bounds where I have no control over it. <laughs> it was impressive. Uh, every other ball, like, oh, nope, just out, out of range. That, like, stupid area is like, you literally can't do anything about that. Just Yeah, yeah. It's my trajectory. I live in the fast lane. But, uh, yeah, it was, like I said, it was cool when I told Matt that, like, you're usually spending, you know, five to $8,000 for these pinball machines each. It's just like, Ugh. Right. And I said the virtual ones are probably the best ones because the part repair and having to maintain them is a full-time job in and of itself. Right. But they're cool. I mean, as much as even, and I don't know if you're a pinball guy, uh, Fred, but I, I, it, there's an allure. There's just something like kind of classic about a pinball machine. You know, I'm a Freddy. virtual pinball guy. I've got pinball FX three. 
and before that I had one and two, uh, and I have every table on it. Um, nice. So yeah, yeah. And I could tell you were intrigued. You were like, oh, Jaws and Jurassic Park and stuff like that. Those are all on Pinball FX3. Interesting. Uh, or two, either one. That's um, a PC game? Uh, it's on Steam. It's also on Xbox One and PS4. Okay. Uh, I have the Steam version, so uh, for what that's worth. But um, uh, again, if you had bought Pinball FX2 on the 360 or if you bought Pinball uh, Zen Pinball on uh, PS3... Your tables do carry over to the respective console, but if you've never bought Virtual Pinball before, I tell people pretty much start on Steam just because you've got that legacy. You'll just have it always on there. Nice. The other thing is they go on sale more often on Steam than anywhere else. You know, what I do when I get the tables, I don't buy them as they first come out. Uh, we used to get review copies from Zen for a while, and we had a re- relationship with them on the B team. Uh, and I think Chip might still have it, but like I wasn't covering them right when they came out anymore. Mm. Um, so what I do is I wait, and during the spring sale or the summer sale, the tables go on sale from like I think a three pack is usually ten bucks, and each table is like three bucks, and they go on sale for like seventy five percent off. And I just grab all the ones I need then. So eh, not bad. I'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah. But there, there's like a hundred tables these days, and they're really good. They're custom made. Um, but yeah, there's a Skyrim one. Oh, real? Yeah, Bethesda got a pack. There's it's Doom, Skyrim, and uh, I forgot the third one. Uh, Fallout, I think. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> and then there's uh, there's a Jurassic Park one, which has three Jurassic Park things. Uh, and then there's the Universal one, which is Jaws, ET, and maybe Back to the Future. Oh. So, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, actually, I did see a Back to the Future one. No, that'd be cool. Yeah, so you'll be you'll be sucked in, but <laughs> again, Damn. again, remember, the summer sales I don't I think the spring sales passed, but the summer sales around the corner. Okay, hold out. <laughs> I won't get hooked till in August. late May. Oh shit, late July then. <laughs> well, again, buy a 3 pack or eh, no fuck it, buy them at full price if you want to. The 3 packs <laughs> are 10 bucks. Okay. You're almost paying 3 bucks a piece anyway. Gotcha. So that's but, not bad. It'd take me a while to get through them. Yeah. So, but, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's, I mean, other than the, the cabinets, I mean, it was kind of cool. Like I said, it wasn't overly crowded. I think it was spaced out enough that, uh, you could get into something if you really wanted to play whatever mm-hmm. you wanted. Yeah. Oh. We didn't go to too many of the panels. Uh, there was stuff on how to make yourself YouTube famous. Uh, there was of course the Retronauts one, um, my opinion on Retronauts is controversial. Uh, so there's that. Uh, I just get the feeling that I wouldn't like Bob Mackie very much if I met him in the flesh. I don't really <laughs> like him too much on the radio. Uh, Jeremy, I've always respected. Um, but I'm not like, woo. <laughs> you don't um, have, uh, what do they call it? Fanboyism? No, no. He does in- incredible work and I respect nice. everything he does. Um, but like, uh, you know, again, I, I have my issues with uh, some of that, too, and, and, and him and, and his work and stuff like that, which might have had some jealousy and stuff like that. So uh, I can't say I'm not biased. So there's that. Nice. Um, but I respect everything he does, and he, he does good work. Um, we but, uh, uh, did try to go see Watch Out for Fireballs. That's when we got <laughs> We ended up in the wrong panel, but it worked out well. So Gary, Cole, sorry. Said hi to you guys, though. It was, it was That was fun to see them. Um, and they seem to remember being on this show. So that was cool. Um, uh, and they had one super bonfire side chat fanboy. That's their um, that's their podcast on Dark Souls, I think I told you. And right. uh, 
they are an authority in that in that realm, at, uh, bar none. But and I got to see Ken Williams again, so that was cool to see him um, and 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 say hi to him. So, um, so that was that was fun. But uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything we're missing? Anything else you wanted to discuss? Um, that was kind of it. Uh, I think day two, we just kind of meandered around and hit the vendor hall again. Yeah. Like uh, they sell, I think it's 45 bucks for 40 or 45 bucks for Saturday only. And you could get away with just going on Saturday. Um, but I think it's better if you make a weekend of it and you just kind of like our Lucy goosey. We should also point out we left at like what? Three o'clock, three thirty on Saturday. Yeah. Saturday was yeah close. Almost four o'clock. We were out. And then uh, yeah. we stayed till close on f- uh, what the hell does next day Sunday Sunday but we didn't get there till twelve twelve thirty that's true snow and stuff so snow and a giant practice yeah we did some baller stuff in Wisconsin otherwise um, which is a its own podcast so I'll just <laughs> adventures in leave Wisconsin leave it at that but um, that's right you're doing that story podcast I'll uh, I'll make a reappearance. There you go. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, well, no, it was a lot of fun, and I, I really enjoyed it, and, and the hospitality, and you guys have great restaurants. I feel like Kansas City does too, but, like, unique restaurants out your way. So I liked that. Um, and, uh, and Matt and I got to uh, rekindle uh, our ma- uh, some Magic Card days, and um, uh, I got to enjoy some tabletop. Uh, you're, a, you're a great house to visit if you're into gaming as a whole, not just limited to video gaming. Um, yeah, I try to get all spectrums. Any, anyone out there want to just dabble? Come on over. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was talking to him, and he's like, oh, yeah, if you want to see how a miniature game runs, I could run you a Star Wars miniature game. <laughs> I've got all these tabletops. We've got... Uh, you didn't have any pen and paper there that I saw, but I bet you oh, would have been yeah. down for a run of D and D if you. Uh, I had to I had second edition D and D upstairs if you were down. <laughs> and uh, and I mean, shit, I have the elusive uh, James Bond RPG if you really want to try that. Ooh, actually, I want to get people into Vampire the Masquerade. You feel like going goth? Uh, <laughs> Kinda. Okay, cool. I'm thinking about doing it, and I have to do it online because. I've been very unsuccessful in Kansas City to put it together. <laughs> so if you want to be part of that podcast, uh, we'll see. And again, nice. it won't be a podcast. It'll just be us playing. But why not record it and just release it? Well, yeah, you could do that crap in Tabletop Simulator. I think they have little like boards you can lay out. Yes. And actually, that's what. Yeah, I don't know if I would record the video. But yeah, yeah. No, we would want to do that for our dice rolls and stuff. So nobody has to worry about cheating. You know? Nice. Um, but uh, but yeah, so stay tuned. But uh but well, uh, I yeah. guess uh, closing remarks on yeah. the show as a whole. I think uh, overall, the for fifty five dollars for a convention, I think it was well worth it um, for a weekend. Um, even if you just went, I think uh, yeah, like you said, a day pass on a Saturday or Sunday, sure. But it was great. I think it was well put together. Um, wasn't overtly crowded, but you could see how. I mean, it was a decent size when I went there. But I would definitely go again. Cool. So you definitely recommend um, doing it. And again, if you live so close uh, again um, next year, you might see yourself going. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was I was telling uh, some of my friends, I was like, you know what? Yeah, like I said, save 55 bucks is so close. Uh, you know, we just drove up and then came back. And you don't, it's one of those things where you, there's really little reason to stay there from open to close for a lot of these because mm-hmm. it closes at 10 on Saturday or 8 on Saturday. Um and I don't know if you know what you would do to eight o'clock, but 
I'm sure you can. Well, find they some. we didn't enjoy the rent a board game thing, but I think it was because there was plenty of options at your house. Um, oh, that's true. Plus, we went to another game store that was near there. But um, but yeah, like I could see the draw there from like a miniaturized packs kind of thing. But yeah, you wouldn't have to. Um, the other thing was you keep tempting me to try doing a panel next year, so I, I might you, do that. You got to do it. Y'all need to come out. <laughs> Jazz is to Wisconsin. I know some of you live in Chicago. Beardy. Beardy. <laughs> he was like, why don't you come drop by me? And I was like, I actually, I probably should have planned for that. Um, but uh, but I was like, nope, I bypassed. Uh, I was only in Illinois for like an hour. I came in from the west <laughs> and just skirted the upper part of Illinois, stayed away from Chicago completely and just jumped into Wisconsin. I was only in uh, Illinois for like an hour. Uh, I came a very non-traditional route, but I, I dodged all traffic and I made good time both ways. Nice. That's the key there. Kansas City to Milwaukee in uh, eight and a half to nine hours yeah, both times. In a 24-hour day, Chicago has a half an hour where there's no real traffic, so good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was coming in at about 4.30, so that wasn't going to be good. <laughs> Didn't get stuck in any traffic the, the route I took. So Nice. Um, but... All right. Well, thanks a bunch for uh, for joining. And remember, uh, Matt's agent Gren on the Discord. Is there anything else you want to pimp? Uh, anything? Any other side projects or anything you're doing at this time? Uh, nothing that's in fruition yet. So I don't want to jinx anything. But uh, sure. Perhaps in the future, I'll try to stop being so creepy and maybe actually post more often. I'm just. Ah, it's no problem. People <laughs> come and go as they please. And again, thank you for for joining and. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're welcome on the show anytime. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear you more on the co-op stuff because you keep being part of our uh, dynamic uh, That's right. group. You're one of the you're one of the Fantastic Four. So I'm like a bad uh, rash, you can't get rid of me. <laughs> so, so, but thanks for having me, and thanks uh, again for coming out, showing me the cool little conventions, educating me on some awesome retro stuff. Uh, Fred's got this shit down. I think just let you guys know. I'm just a super nerd about that. Oh, there you go. Um, But all right. Well, until next time, this is Fred saying peace out.